Father, we do stop and think and dwell upon you and your incredible love, the depth, height, length, width of the incredible grace that you have poured out upon us in the person of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, I know that your word is anointed, and I know that anointings break yokes. They tear apart bondages. And all I know, Father, is every time we speak and gather around about your word, I trust that that anointing will permeate the hearts of the hearers and that your word will do what only it can do, and that speak individual truth to every individual heart. So, Father, again, I just yield myself to you as best as I know how. And I trust in you, Holy Ghost, to anoint my lips, to allow me to speak only what you would have me to speak. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. And again, Father, may your beautiful handprint be upon everything that we set ourselves to today, and every day for that matter. In the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for it. I believe I receive your grace for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, this is the fifth session on the, the Love Walk. I have no idea how many sessions it will be because I plan on this time preaching, teaching it until it's done taught, if you know what I mean. And as I've said in the last few times, again, when it comes to teaching the love of God, you're teaching God. And you have to really educate your senses. You have to educate your spirit not to take, not to uh, whatever, do, whatever you do, not to take this topic too lightly and thinking you already know that God is love or that God loves you. There is no end to the depths of our God. There is no end to the depths of love, therefore, because he is eternal. And what we're speaking of here is an eternal thing. It's an eternal truth. And in all honesty, as God is the omnipotent, the most powerful being that shall ever exist, then he as love, love is the most powerful entity. Love is the most powerful truth. The God kind of love is the most powerful issue, truth, topic, forum, whatever word you want to use. It's the most important that it is, the, as we've already spoken, the great foundation of everything. It is what we, again, as you'll know, we're called to be rooted in. That's where we're to get our life source, our nutrients from, by being rooted in his love for us and learning how to allow his love in us to flow out of us to the rest of this world. And to be founded, like I said, to have the foundation of anything and everything. And we know what it says in Corinthians after Paul gives this exposition that we all know about the gifts and the spirit. The power gifts, the revelation gifts, the utterance gifts, you know. And indeed we all long for those and I understand that. We, I long for them too. The Bible says to earnestly desire these gifts. But then remember in the midst of it, Paul says this thing. He said, if you can move mountains with your faith, if you... Uh, if you give your body to be burned, if you, you know, act and move in any of the power gifts, anything, but you do not understand or you do not have love, it says you are a noisy uh, gong, a clanging cymbal, and it says you're a useless nobody. I mean, at some point in 
our Christian faith, we have to actually wake up that that is so. In other words, it's okay to, well, we're called to covet the gifts. But remember, everything has to come from first coveting him. Knowing him is the key, not knowing about him. It was very embarrassing for me, I've shared before, but for years and years, you know, God gave me a good memory. And uh, I knew a lot of the Bible for a long time, and I will never forget, uh, it was about, a th I think, a three or four day period of time, I don't know, when suddenly I woke up to the fact that I knew a whole lot of the Bible, but I did not know God. Not that I know him now fully, because we'll never know him fully, but what I mean is I suddenly grasped and saw the deep difference between the acquisition of knowledge and information. And that's something that cannot be put into words, that is the knowing of Jesus Christ. Actually coming to the place where he is real. I mean, really, it's easy to say those things. But all I know is I was astounded I was beyond humble because I felt like I never thought of myself as being a proud person, but I realized that somehow, some way, in some manner, I had kind of unknowingly would, I'd pat myself on the back at times because I knew I had a good knowledge of scripture. But that in and of itself was a gift from God. It wasn't something I can take, you know, Take, but, you know, say, okay, it was my work, if you know what I mean. Yes, I studied, and yes, I got into what I'm trying to say. Nevertheless, I just wanted to get into this. It's just that there's nothing more powerful to know than the love of God. And even as I say it right there, I know that some ears just aren't hearing it. But, but I, so today, the topic I'm going to try to share, we may have to take two Sundays for this, but we're going to talk about forgiveness, because you cannot talk about the love of God without coming to the issue of forgiveness. But before we do that, I want to read a psalm. I want, I want to read from Psalm 139. Now, like I just said, I want to read this on, on the foundation of what I just said, that God's love is so infinite and so unconditional. I loved that when I first learned that as a young Christian, that God's love has no conditions. You do not have to meet a certain condition to be loved by God. God cannot but help love you because he is love. Remember, love isn't a character trait that he possesses. Love is his being. It's his DNA. In Psalm 139, David is speaking here, and he said in verse 14, I'm going to read a few verses, I will confess and praise you, for you are fearful and wonderful, and for the awful wonder of my birth. Wonderful are your works, and that my inner self knows right well. My frame, I really think about this. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being formed in secret and intricately and curiously wrought as if embroidered with various colors in the depths of the earth, the region of darkness and mystery. Verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed substance. Did you hear that? Your eyes saw my unformed substance. And in your book, I guess you know God has books. 
And in, listen to this, and in your book, all the days of my life and your life were written before they ever took shape. Can you believe, can you imagine that? I'm going to read that again. All the days of our life were written before ever they took shape, when as yet there was none of them. And then David says, how precious, and this is what I'm desperate to try to get across to our people and to all of you who may be listening to this about his love. David had caught the preciousness of God's love. He says, how precious, now please hear me, how precious and weighty are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awoke, could I count to the end, I would still be with you. Now that is a verse that God just caused me to camp in for a time. Because he said, do you understand I love you? And I said, yeah. And he said, do you, did you hear what David wrote here? He wrote as I spoke to him. He said, now listen to it again. He said, how precious are your thoughts to me, oh God. How vast is the sum of them. God's thoughts for you are as plentiful. Now, really hear me. See, you can turn off now and miss something. God's thoughts toward you. First of all, they're precious. But remember, this is love thinking about you. His thoughts towards you are more than the sand of the sea. So I'm saying God has billions and trillions and quadrillions of thoughts towards you, and they're all good. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Can you even begin to conceive that he has billions of thoughts about Rod Anderson? And all of them are good. But see, that is what changes you because Rod doesn't have a billion thoughts about himself that are good, that's for sure. And none of you do either. But the point is, if we begin to believe such as this, this type of truth, knowing everything, you hear me say this over and over again, but you must get it knowing everything about you that may fall short of holiness or may fall short of perfection in your thoughts, his thoughts are all precious towards you. He never has a negative thought about you. I said God never has a negative thought about you because God is 100% love. See, hear this. God, it's impossible for God to partially love you. In other words, God's never met a person who he said, he thought to himself, well, I, you know, I want to love people, but this dude, <laughs> this guy's got stuff going on. This dude's got issues big time. So there's no way I can, you know, I'm just, I'll, I'll, I'm going to love him a little bit. But that's, no, see, that's absolute contrary to the truth that will overwhelm your heart when you realize God cannot be partial. He can't be 95%. He can't be 90%. He can't be 80%. He's 100% in love with you. It has nothing to do with the you that you see. 
See, and that's the incredible, life-changing thing that when that day star begins to dawn in your heart, changes everything. Because you know why most people have a big trouble loving others? It's because they don't love themselves. If you can't love yourself, you'll always be that retention. You'll not really be able to give love to others because you're so, you hate yourself. And yeah, I know what scripture says about searching your own heart, and I agree with it. But the point is still, you have to come to the place where you begin to see yourself as the Father sees you. All his thoughts towards you are precious. There are billions and billions of thoughts God has about you. And they're all love. If you just think on that, these are the things you are to meditate on and consider and think on. Because it just begins to go, you mean really? I watched this Mike Bickle thing, I think I told you the other day. I, watched my, I happened to turn on the TV um, a few days ago and Mike on God TV was teaching this conference, the Passion for Jesus conference that he does. And of course, the topic was abide in love. And he, taught, he was teaching on the love of God. Uh, but it was one of the best teachings I'd heard in a long time. But again, he was talking about the fact that, you know, God, Jesus, of all the things he says to the disciples, you know, he tells them, I want you to live here. I don't want you to visit. I want you to live in this. This is where you're going to live. If you're going to be my disciple, you live here. You don't just visit it when it's convenient. To be my disciple, and you all know the verse, I've shared it several times already, you know, he said, by this love, all men shall know that you're one of mine. They'll recognize you as one of mine. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, the one thing, the only thing scripture said that's going to identify you is the same kind of love that he has coming out of you towards others. Well, that's incredible. You say it's impossible. Well, it isn't. It is impossible for you and I in our flesh, but you see God's spirit, as Romans 5 says, you all know the verse. God has shed abroad his love in our hearts by his Holy Spirit. So the capacity is there. See, you accept the truth. You do not deny the truth. The capacity is there. Hallelujah. So we can do this. But anyhow, so I need to get to the, like I said, I, I just feel God so beautifully today. He's so wonderful. In studying the love of God toward us, I said you have to come to the topic of forgiveness of God toward us and of us toward others. Jesus, to say Jesus places a tremendous importance on harmony and agreement between us is an understatement. Now I'm going to read Psalm 86 verses 3 through 5 in the Amplified as well. Now I want you to catch this before we really get into some of the scriptures about forgiveness. Psalm 86 verses 3 through 5. Be merciful and gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. Make me your servant to rejoice, O Lord, for to you do I lift myself up. But verse 5, for you, Lord, are good, the next three words, and ready to forgive. Again, you can skim that, but you need to park there. Catch this. Our God is always ready to forgive you. He's never unready. You're unready to receive it, but he's never unready to offer it. He's ready to forgive. I love that. He's ready to forgive our trespasses, ready to send them away. 
letting them go completely and forever. And oh God, you are abundant in mercy and loving kindness to all of those who call upon you. So have that in your spirit as well. Always have the awareness, my God's ready to forgive. Now I gotta tell you, I'm, and this isn't on my notes, but I wanna turn, turn to John 20 for just a moment, the Gospel of John verse 20. Uh, you know, a while back I told you God really spoke to me about uh, the power of forgiving about how God said we can, you know when Jesus, when that uh, cripple was put before him that time and it made the Pharisees all upset because he said, son, your sins are forgiven thee. Remember that? You know the passage. Son, your sins are forgiven. And the religious people freaked out and said, what, what, who can forgive sins but God only? Well, but he was God only. <laughs> but that, but nevertheless, he said, your sins are forgiven you. And they're all on this. And Jesus said, which is easier? He looked around at these religious folks and said, which is easier? To say your sins are forgiven or to say rise up and walk. But that you might know, really hear him. Hear Jesus. Hear Jesus. But that you might know that the Son of Man, not the Son of God, because this is crucial now, but that you might know that the Son of Man has the power on earth to forgive sins. He turns and says, Man, I say unto thee, pick up thy bed and walk. And boom, the guy was healed. And we've heard it, and you need to hear it over and over again. Where there's forgiveness, there's healing. Where there's healing, there's forgiveness all through Scripture. But it really struck me that has God, will you agree with me that God has told us to lay hands on the sick? that they might recover. Or do we have authority in the name of Jesus and because of the blood and the sacrifice, do we have authority to pray for the sick and expect them to be healed? Yes. All through scripture. Call for the elders of the church, anoint them with oil, and the prayer which is of faith shall save the sick, right? Well, listen, think about this. If we as sons of man, mankind, like Jesus, remember, had good scripture, it wasn't the son of God that did this, it was the son of man, which means if the son of man can do it, Bless God, we can do it because we're sons and daughters of mankind. If we have the authority to pray for the sick, then this is what really is shocking me. It's really been working on me for months. Why don't I understand that I have the authority to forgive sins? But see, the moment you say that, when we talk about forgiveness normally, of course, understandably, the first thing we think of is, well, forgiving this guy who, who hurt me, or forgiving this woman who said these things, you know, forgiving those type of situations. But see, this isn't talking about that at all. This is talking about forgiving somebody who you've had no interaction with whatsoever, just like you can lay hands on somebody you've had no interaction with forever, and you can pronounce healing over them, I've suddenly become aware I can pronounce forgiveness. But to me, this is revolutionary. I have never in my life ever, ever, ever heard any minister teach this, ever. And I'm not saying that to pat me on the back. I'm saying I am really seeing something. But now think about this in John 20. Now, Jesus has just risen from the dead. He's just risen from the dead. and He's in front of the disciples. You know, they're freaked out and want to have you. And well, I'll start in verse, uh, verse 19, John 20, verse 19. Then on that same 
first day of the week when it was evening, though the disciples were behind closed door for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. In other words, he walked to the wall and said, peace to you. I guess so. If somebody walked to the wall and stood in front of me, I'd probably need a little peace myself. I don't know about you. So saying, he showed them his hands and his side. And when the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with joy, delight, exultation, ecstasy, and rapture. Then Jesus said to them again, peace to you. Just as the Father has sent me forth, so I am sending you. And of course, that's one of the critical statements that Jesus made that we need to really grasp. The same assignment that God gave Jesus, Jesus has given us. Did you hear me? And what did he do? He forgave sins. He healed the sick. He blessed the people. He brought the truth of Almighty God. But listen to this. And having said this, now really, please, please, please open your ears. Whosoever is listening to really, really catch how profound this is. Verse 22, having said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit, right? Now, and then it says, now having received the Holy Spirit. So we're talking about something that happened that predicates, that precedes the, the, the day of Pentecost, right? Say right, somebody, anyhow, whatever. Say right, if you're sitting there in your house right now watching this, bless God, <laughs> say right. But think about this. This precedes, it predicates the day of Pentecost. Jesus said unto them, he breathes on them, and God's spirit on him, in him, him comes on them, and they receive the spirit in measure. I don't know how to explain it fully, but all I know is that's what it says Jesus did, and that's what it says, and it says they received it. But think about how profound, profound, he's raised from the dead. Listen, he's raised from the dead. The first thing he does is says, receive the Holy Spirit. But what's the next thing? I mean, what's the next thing he says? He says, receive the Spirit. And now he said, being led and directed by him, if you forgive the sins of anyone, they're forgiven. Man, that just, that blows my mind. Because I have the Holy Spirit. And yes, it goes on to say, if you retain the sins of anyone, they are retained. We're going to talk about that later. Not today, but later. But think about how profound this is. He's just been raised from the dead. He's, he's talking to his disciples and he breathes on them. They just received this first whatever essence of the Holy Spirit. I don't know how to explain it myself, like I said, but it wasn't Pentecost. They received the Holy Spirit. And he says, guys, now that you've received the Holy Spirit, whosoever sins you forgive or forgiven. I've never heard anybody teach this. In other words, I'm beginning to see that when I see some people or hear some things, or I don't care if they're governmental officials, I don't care what, the, I can speak forgiveness over them. But like anything, how many of you know that you can pray for the sick and the sick not get healed? Of course. The issue is how much faith you have in this. And so I'm sure it runs the same course because this is how our God works. But can you imagine 
truly grasping this holy truth that rather than immediately judging somebody out there or somebody you see on television, or let's say our prime minister over here, when he says something silly or whatever, or Trump in America, everybody freaks out about. But imagine that you and I have the authority to say, Father, forgive them. I forgive them. See, in God's stead, just like you in God's stead, pray for the sick, be healed in Jesus' name. Father, I, I speak, I forgive them. In your name, I forgive them. In your name, I forgive them. That's what Jesus did. And it did something in the spiritual atmosphere. It did something. It broke something open. It busted gates open. That healing could flow them. And healing comes in many directions, many manifestations, not just physically here. But I just think this is something we really need to pray about more and more and more. Because this is God's love. God forgives us and we can forgive others. You understand the difference is what I'm trying to say. I'm not talking about me forgiving somebody that's done me wrong. I'm talking about somebody that we don't even know and see, like I said, and say, Father, I release forgiveness. I forgive them. Because Jesus, you said, now, because I have the Spirit, whosoever sins I forgive, they're forgiven. You and I have the authority to forgive sin. To me, that's, that's revolutionary, mind-blowing. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, that is like the basis of what I'm trying to say. This is how much God trusts us. This is love. This is love. This is how much love trusts us. He gives us the grace and the power and the instructions to forgive people their sins. So how demonic is it when we bow down to simple irritations and simple issues and get upset with one another to the point that we create division and distance. Can you imagine what God really thinks and feels about that? So throughout all the scriptures, he had to put forth this truth about forgiveness. And so now, like I said, I, I've got to watch my time. I'm going to have to take a couple of Sundays on this, I can tell. But let's just look at some of the basic scriptures that we see. I know that you'll be familiar with these, but nevertheless, like I said, to speak on God's love, we must speak on these things. Ephesians 4, verse 32. God says, be ye kind to one another. Is that too difficult to understand? <laughs> no. Be ye kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. And here's the big issue. Even as, those are the giant words, he tells you how. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You see, God's forgiven you and me because of Jesus. Guess what? We get to forgive others because of Jesus. We don't forgive others because they meet some condition. I said we don't forgive people because they meet some conditions. At least that's not how God does it. Please don't diminish the power and the importance of this stuff here. You say, I know all about forgiveness. Well, you just proved you don't. This is too deep. So he says, he tells us how he wants us to forgive, be kind, be tender-hearted towards one another. 
and forgive one another, even as God and Christ Jesus has forgiven us. So the word even as, to say the least, are incredibly important. Well, how did God forgive us? Well, Psalm 103.12. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Now, even in that, think about it. We're talking here in the old covenant, much less the new covenant with the blood of Jesus. Let me tell you something. If you start drive, sailing, driving, flying east, and you keep going east, I said, if you keep going east, will you ever meet west? No. <laughs> And that's what's being said here. God says, you will never come to the place where your transgressions are going to be remembered by me. And you go, whoa, oh, are you kidding me? I mean, Jeremiah 33, 8. And I will cleanse them from all their iniquity, whereby they have sinned against me. And I will pardon all their iniquities, whereby they have sinned and whereby they have transgressed against me. And I'm just going to go through a few of these quickly because there's not enough time for me to speak to each of them. Micah 7.19 He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Now, I'm reading these four verses real quickly. But... See, this, I'm, you know, I always used to quote to my Bible students from Acts 17, 23, Acts 17, 21, 23, 17, 11. Those in Berea received, those, God had more time for those in Berea because they received the word with readiness of mind, but they searched the scriptures daily whether or not those things were so. And I used to tell my students all the time, you do not have the right to believe anything I say unless I can back that up with scripture. But nevertheless, it's your responsibility to seek the word and see if it says what I say it says. It's on you, it's not on me. So this is why we read this. It's just that we're trying to see the nature of God even then. God's ready to forgive. This is Israel making mistake after mistake. Idolatry, idolatry, backsliding, backsliding over and over again. But there's God always ready to forgive. I'm ready to forgive. I'm ready to forgive. I'm ready to forgive, but will you come to me? But see, I need to be ready to forgive. Ready to forgive. Ready to forgive. All the time. But why is it about, see, it's part of our human, that we're not supposed to have any fallen nature in us, but I guess it's the absence of the renewal of the mind of that area. Why do we still like to hold on? I want to stay angry a little bit longer. It'll make me feel so much better. You know what I mean? To just hold on, hold a grudge a little bit longer. But see, we have to wake up to see how damaging that is to our spirit, man, and how it creates distance between us and the presence of God because he cannot dwell in that house. Isaiah 43, 25. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgression. Listen, for mine own sake, he destroys our sins forgives us for his sake. Now that's something else you've got to meditate on for about five years. God does this for himself. Why? Because he's love and 
and I will not remember your sins. Now, like I wrote years ago, it's not that God couldn't remember, but see, he's made a choice in his divinity. I'm not going to remember your sin. He does not remember Rod Anderson, the heroin addict. He does not remember Rod Anderson, who had a lot of violence in his life. And unfortunately, did violent things. No, he doesn't do that. One of the most glorious attributes of the Father is that he has chosen to forget our sins. It's not that he couldn't remember, but he's chosen not to. From the moment we accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, he sees us only through the shed blood of Christ, which has washed us clean as snow. Jesus said that in this life we would indeed suffer persecution, there'd be false accusations, and much more. But we are not to rail back, but to learn to overcome evil with good. And that's, of course, Romans 12, 21. And man, we need to develop faith in this. Let me read Romans 12, 21 and Amplified. Do not, listen to God speaking through Paul, do not let yourself. Do you understand that when things happen, so many of the things that happen to us, we let it happen? I said, we let it happen. We're destroyed by our lack of knowledge. We go into captivity because we re reject knowledge when it comes to us. That's, you know, you know, Isaiah and Hosea. Do not let yourself be overcome by evil. You know what the word evil is? The, evil, the Greek word is kakos, K-A-K-O-S, and it means, it's, it's the same word used for wicked, you know, and the word means to twist. It means something that's has integrity, it's straight, it's twisted. That's what the devil does. He will twist truth. He'll twist circumstances to make you begin to think wrongly. Do not let yourself be overcome by evil, but overcome master evil with good. God's plan is that we learn to torment the devil. I love that. That's something that I was taught all those years ago and I never forgot. He said, you... I have to understand, walking in the love of God frustrates Satan to the point that he wants to get, he's going to explode. And that's how you torment him. You don't reel back. You forgive. You love anyhow. Yes, they made you angry for a moment, but you let that moment go back that quick. It's not that you don't get angry, you don't stay angry. You hear me? You learn the quick, and I'm telling you, the quicker you do this, the greater the presence the greater the sense of God's presence you feel. Do not let yourself be overcome by evil, but overcome and master evil to good. God's plan is that we torment the devil by doing good and frustrate him by not following after the way of the rest of the world by trying to avenge ourselves. The Spirit's way is the best way. God's way of forgiving is to forgive and forget. I said forgive and forget. How many of you know it's not that easy for us to forget? But forgetting someone's transgression against you is something you do by faith. So you make that decision. I forgive him forever. He's forgiven. Now, what the devil will do is a week later, 10 days later, or 10 seconds later, he'll bring the thought back. But you reject it. You learn to reject. Say, no, I forgave him. He's forgiven. But see, like God says, he forgives you for himself. I forgive others for me. Do you catch that? 
I forgive because of, I have now knowledge of, why, of what begins to happen in my spirit if I don't forgive. God forgives us for himself. I forgive others because it's the right thing to do for me. It's not because I feel like it. It's because it's truth. God's forgiveness is the supernatural ability. This is something I, God spoke to me. God's forgiveness is the supernatural. It is supernatural, believe me. It's the supernatural ability to totally eradicate from your consciousness any thought or memory of an incident. I, honest before God, have to consciously work at remembering some of the things that were done against me years ago that when I, and that caused me to react so demonically before I was saved. I, that God has just washed them away. But sometimes when I'm ministering or speaking, God will bring something back because it's something that somebody else needs to hear. It'll touch them because of something that's got, happened in their own life. And I tell you, I am shocked. I hope you don't misunderstand, but I get shocked when I remember that I was even involved in that. I, you know, I, I'd actually totally forgotten that Brad had ever done that. But that's what he'll do for you. He will supernaturally eradicate any thought of the situation. And don't you understand what this produces in you? It's called peace. It's called the peace of God. It's, call, it's called no torment. It's, caused, it's called not walking around all day being, blessed God, just give me an opportunity and I'll show them how I love and bless them. You know what I'm trying to say? Everybody's done that. You just mull on something and mull on something and mull on something and mull on something and mull on something until you got a ton of mull. Right, Paul? Just a whole ton of mull. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's so crazy. But see, do you understand? Do you know how difficult? Listen, let me, let me see this. When you're doing that, do you know how difficult it is for you to receive somebody that says you shouldn't do that? Be honest. How many of you know how? You, I don't want to hear that. That's God. They hurt me, and I, I'm mad. I'm going to stay mad. That's the way it is. I, and you do. You choose. And you let yourself be overcome with evil. Please begin to hear why this love of God thing is so vital. It's so much more than just a Sunday morning message. It's the crux of our Christianity. It's the matrix of the present that allows the presence of God to have freedom in your life, in your house, or whatever. And then, of course, here we come to another one, a beautiful one. We all know the passage in Mark 11. Um, you know, when Jesus walks by the fig tree, he curses the fig tree. The next day they come back across Bethany and the disciples go, wow, Lord, look, the tree which you cursed is withered and died from the roots up. And Jesus said, yeah, that's right. See, I spoke to it. And then he goes over and said, well, check it out. If you think that's something, he said, hear me. And then he says, have, it says have faith in God, but actually the Greek says have the God kind of faith. What I just demonstrated to you was the God kind of faith. He says, now look, look over here. See that mountain? Quit looking at the fig tree. See that mountain? If you say to that mountain, verily, verily, I always think it's funny that Jesus had to say truly, truly. In other words, like I'm not lying to you as if Jesus ever lied. <laughs> but he says, verily, verily, truly I'm saying to you, if you shall say unto this mountain, much less a tree, be thou removed, 
Be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in your heart, but shall believe that what things soever you sayeth will come to pass. You guys will have whatever you say. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. And then he says this part, and this is the part. And he said, and when you stand praying, I know you know it, but hear it afresh. When you're praying, when you stand praying, forgive. Now think about it. This, see, we've got to get past just studying scripture. We, we, we read the book to know the heart of Jesus. It's about knowing the heart of Jesus. Jesus said, when you're praying, make sure there's no enmity in your heart. He said, when you pray, before you really get into it, he said, listen, what is he saying? Here's God Almighty in the flesh, and guys, when you come to pray, make sure there's none of this there, because otherwise your prayers won't, there's nothing. You can forget about praying. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against any, even against them, even against your pastor, even the sound man has to forgive me. Hallelujah. I don't care who it is. The musicians have to forgive me. My wife even gets to forgive me. My wife told me once years ago, she said, God spoke to me and said to me to forgive you forever. And I said, well, that's great because that's how God forgives. <laughs> but she said that. I think she, but I give her much opportunity to test her faith in that area. That's all, that's, that's all I can say. But she still hangs around. When you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any. Why? Why? Now listen to this. Act like you've never heard. Why do we forgive others? What's the next part of the verse say? So that your Father can forgive you. You see, to keep, 1 John 1, 9 says, you know, if you confess your sins, one, if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. All we have to do is be honest and confess known sin. You can't confess unknown sin. That's another topic people like teach you. Confess all those unknown sins. Well, how can you confess something you don't know? It's dumb. That's just stupidity gone to seed, as old Brother Hagin used to say. No, but he said, just be honest. But the issue is this. Really catch this, please. He said, you forgive so that the Father can forgive you. In other words, you're the one, listen to me, when you don't forgive, you carry guilt, whether you realize it or not. You carry something that creates distance. God doesn't want any distance between you and him. And he's saying, so guys, make sure, please forgive others, because that's what releases me. That's what releases more of me to be in more of you. Man, to me, that's everything. I don't want it. Do I still get upset? You better believe I get upset sometimes. But see, I'm, I've learned to be faster and faster and quicker and quicker to say, mm -mm, that's not, no. I don't care if somebody's screaming. I had a guy screaming at me once. I mean, bloody murder, man, blah, 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 blah. I better not even go there because that was before I was sanctified as much as I am now. <laughs> I better not continue that story. But I mean, I've had people, you know, get in my face call me a flat-out liar, this, that, and I've had people get mad at me in church service and yell at me and scream in the middle of a conference and run out. You know, it's funny. I mean, really, you know, and you just kind of, you have, you have an opportunity to feel better. You know, but I had that, not on, but that, that one occasion that that happened. 
in Ely in a conference in Ely, but I'll never forget, two years later, that same guy came up to me and literally fell on his knees and asked me to forgive him. He said, I was so wrong, you made me so mad. He said, you made me so mad by what you preached. I didn't like it, I didn't want to hear it, I didn't want it. He said, but bless God, it made me so mad, I went home and kept studying and I found out you were right, and that made me even madder for a long time. <laughs> And he said, but finally I realized that you were a man of truth and blah, blah, blah. And he came and forgave me. He, he came, bowed down, said, asked me to forgive. It, it was a trip. Anyhow. Okay, I'm stopping. Everybody say, glory to God, I'm stopping. Thank you, Jesus. When you stand, pray, and forgive, if you have ought against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive... Neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive our trespasses. This is why we got to dig deeper in this, because we just read scripture that said God has forgiven us forever. And yet here it says he won't forgive. But see, this is why there's more to the story. It's about the attitude of your spirit. He's ready to forgive. But as in every other area of scripture, you have to cooperate with his plan. Walk in alignment with his ways and his will. Just forgive. It is totally, horribly disastrous to your spirit to hold on to any grief and strife and ill will. Amen? Father, I give you thanks for this much this morning. I give you praise that you're a good, good God that's ready to forgive. And I do thank you, Father, that you have forgiven us. You have cleansed us by the very blood of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I thank you, Father, you have called us as Christians, little Christ, little anointed ones. And you long for us to show this same love to this world. Just like your love broke chains, your love in us and through us will break chains off of people's lives. So, Father, please, as I heard earlier this morning, people talked about we need to mature. But, Father, like you told me years ago, you're, I imagine you're the most spiritually mature person there ever has been in existence. But, see, that's because you're love. And, therefore, love, your kind of love, is the greatest path towards true spiritual maturity more powerfully true than any other path we could ever take. So we give you praise and thanksgiving this morning, Father, that you have loved us unconditionally. Amen. 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 Right. God bless.